my title of my message is God is good to me today God is good to me today you know I think most people can say God is that God exists God is it gets a little bit tougher to say God is good especially in some situations in life and I don't know what your situation is, but it's get, it gets a little bit more tougher to say God is good. But the tough one really is to say God is good to me. And personalize that. And then the real trick is to say every day, God is good to me today. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Doesn't matter what happened last year. Doesn't matter what happened to me when I was a young kid. God is good to me today. So let me take you to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. And that's um, the text for my message today. God is good to me today. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. And we'll read it from the New Living Translation. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Um, anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Now just some comments before we get into the text. Um, it's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible means impossible. You cannot please Him by doing works. You cannot please Him by um, what you do, or what you say. You, you can only please Him by walking the walk of faith. It's totally impossible to please God without faith. Right? Pastor David spoke on, I think it was the sixth um, he spoke on faith. And uh, look, you must get hold of that. It clarifies what faith is, right? So um, I'm not going to touch on that. Um, what I want to do today is look at the three things that preserve this environment where faith can thrive in. And that's what the Hebrews author is talking about. He, he, he gets into a spiel about faith, but in verse 6, he pauses. In fact, he looks at Enoch and then he says this. We won't have time to look at Enoch, but that's an amazing story about a man who got a word from the Lord when his son was born, Methuselah. And Methuselah means when he dies, the flood will come. Imagine a thousand over years before the flood in Noah's time came, which would threaten to wipe out the entire world, right? He heard the message from God. This great-grandfather of Noah heard a message from God at the birth of his son, and he would call his son Methuselah. Imagine carrying the weight of that prophetic message that God is going to wipe out humanity if, if, if humanity doesn't turn to him. Imagine carrying that message. You must know that God is good. If you don't know that God is good, you will have no hope when you carry a message like that. And so he calls his son Methuselah. And his son Methuselah carries this message that when I die, the flood will come. 
When I die, judgment will come. He lived 900 over years, the longest living man on earth. 969 years he lived. And you know when he died? The year when the floods came. You cannot carry a message like that unless you know God is good. And that's why this year, my friends, it's crucial for us to set these foundations again right about who we think God is and who we know God is. So I'm looking at these three things that the uh, Hebrews author is talking about, preserving this environment where faith can thrive in our lives. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe God exists. He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Now, um, the NLT says sincerely. The New King James says diligently, and I'll touch on that later. But these are the three things that I'm going to talk about. God exists. God rewards. And we must diligently seek Him. When these three things are there, right in the core of how we live our lives and our walk with God, faith will thrive in our lives. Right? Let's get to the first one. We must believe God exists. Now, for most of us, we'll say, hey, that's an easy one, right? We believe God exists, and well, what are we doing here? But you know what? More than 80% of the global population in this world believe there is a God. More than 80%. In fact, you can even go up to 90%, right? Of the whole world believe that God in some form exists. They, we all don't agree who God is. We don't agree the nature of God. We don't agree um, a lot of things about God's plan and purposes. But 90% of this world believes there is a God. In fact, the book of James says, um, in fact, criticizing the Christians of his time, James says, you believe God is one? Whoopie-doo! The devil believes it and he trembles. Even demons believe it and tremble. Now, that's exactly what he said, except for whoopie-doo. That's just, you know, that's just my hermeneutics. I've been to Bible school. That's what we learn, mate. Whoopie do. So you believe in God. See, the whole tone of the Bible is not about believing in the existence of God. In fact, the first verse of the Bible in Genesis 1 assumes that you believe in God. In the beginning, God. Moses doesn't try to convince you there is a God. You know, in fact, the psalmist says, if you don't believe there's a God, you're a fool. So 90% of the world believes there's a God. So what is the Hebrews author trying to say? It's not about believing in just that God exists. My friends, it's about a posture. It's not, not just an intellectual concept of the existence of a higher being. It's about a constant awareness of the reality of the presence of God in your life. That's what it means. When you say God exists, you're saying God exists right now. As we are sitting down together, as we are listening to this word of God, we know the presence of God is right here. We know deep in our spirit, as we walk out of here, God is with us. Monday morning, when we wake up, when the sun rises, as sure and real as the sun is, God is with us. That His presence goes with us. Everywhere we go, whether it is in, the, in good times or bad times, God is is with us. I cannot see him. I cannot hear him. I cannot touch him. But I know he is here. 
He is present. That's the, what it means to believe God exists. God is. God is. It's the ability to see God in your everyday life. God in every situation. God in your prosperity. God in your poverty. God in good times. God in tough times. God walking with you. God sleeping with you. Well, he doesn't sleep, but you can go to sleep. And that's good when the times you can't go to sleep. Have you had those times? I've had those times. You toss in bed because you just made a decision by faith. And in the daytime, you're saying, oh, praise God, I just heard from God, and I'm going to do this. And everybody says, man, he's a man of faith. Yeah, but you're not there at night. <laughs> when the lights are turned off. And then you say, my goodness, I just made that decision. I'm going to Uganda. <laughs> then you toss at night. I've had that many times. My medication is the Psalms. And usually when I read one Psalm, it kind of ah, calms me down. But I had to make a big decision. I mean, this is just recently in October last year. Man, one, more, one night, I was just so troubled. And I was reading a Psalm, and then another Psalm, and then another Psalm. And then, man, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's 3.30 in the morning. I said, Lord, you neither slumber nor sleep, but I need to sleep. <laughs> 23 psalms later, suddenly a scripture jumps out, catch holds of my spirit, breathes life into it, and says, peace, be still. God exists. God exists. He's real. He's tangible. He's more real than this stuff we touch. He is real. He says, if you come to him, you must believe God exists. Listen to Jacob's wonderful testimony to Joseph. Genesis 48, 15. He was blessing Joseph. And he said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who, was, who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Basically what he's telling Joseph, Joseph, I'm an old man now. But let me tell you something, Joseph. God is real. He was with Father Abraham. He was with Father Isaac. And he was with me. Every day of my life, he watched over me. He fed me. He clothed me. You know those days when I was deceiving. And I was lying. God was still with me. And the days when my brother was pursuing me to kill me. And I was running away from him. God was with me. And those days when all I had was a shirt on my back. God was with me. When Laban, my father-in-law, was deceiving me. And trying to rob everything God was blessing me with. God was with me. And when I was in prosperity, God was with me. The loss of my love mate, my soulmate, Rachel. When she died, 
Joseph, God was with me. The darkest days of my life, God was with me. The brightest days of my life, God was with me. That's what you need when you walk by faith. You need to be determined in your spirit. God exists. He doesn't exist out there. He exists right here with me all the days of my life. I'm so blessed to be part of a wonderful heritage. My great-grandfather was the first to turn to Christ in a small little village in Sri Lanka. His son, my grandfather, gave his life to the Lord and served him all the days of his life as a pastor in the Methodist church. My spiritual mother, who adopted me and, and took care of me, she was a pastor in the Anglican church. And then me now, I'm trying to be a pastor <laughs> and shepherding people and journeying with them. I always tell my kids, God was with my great-grandfather. He was with my grandfather. He was with his children, the four daughters who grew up without a mother. He was with me and my, my brothers and sister who grew up without a father. And he will be with you guys. And you tell your children that and your children's children that until Christ returns, you tell them, God will always be with us and feed us and watch over us. God exists. That's the environment where thri uh, faith thrives in. When a man and a woman is aware of the presence of God constantly in their lives, says, God, you're here. No matter what's going on, you're here. God is here. God is here. Now that's not the only thing that the Hebrews author says you must believe in. You must also believe not only that God exists, but God is a rewarder. Now that's a bit tough, isn't it? God is a rewarder. You must believe that it's the nature of God to reward. You must believe that God wants to bless you. That is why it's okay to say, God bless me. You know, when, um, when you pray, bless me, bless me, sometimes I've been part of that problem. And I tell people, stop having, having these bless me prayers. And I know where we're coming from. Sometimes people can be so selfish, right? But I think we've come to a place where we dare not ask God to bless us. Whenever we ask God for something, we think we're being selfish. Hey, Let's start asking God to bless us because it's the nature of God to bless. He is a benevolent God. He's a God who wants to bless us. God so loved the world that He gave. It is God's nature to give. He's a giving God. There's a, and the pastor touched this this morning. There's this lie that the devil has planted in so many people's minds that God is angry. He's angry. You know? He's upset. He's watching over us to just catch us when we do wrong. Then I'm in trouble. Because I'm one of those kids that always, always slip up. You know? I, I'm, not, I'm not the teacher's pet. I'm not the mom and dad pet, you know? If anybody's going to slip up, it's going to be me. And then you, you of course, you're perfect. 
But of course, telling the truth wasn't your, one of your values. <laughs> God's not angry. He's not demanding. He's fun to be with. You know, I grew up with um, navigators. I don't know whether you know the movement navigators those days. They were my um, disciples. And every Saturday, I'll have to meet up with my mentor. And he will ask me, did you do your quiet time? Did you do your quiet time? Quiet time was the time you read your Bible every day, right? You've got to spend 15 minutes reading your Bible, 15 minutes in prayer. And you've got to take that box, right? So and he'll always ask us this, did you do your quiet time? And so I'll be afraid. So on Friday, I'll do my quiet time. Saturday, I'll do my quiet time. So that when I meet him, yep, did my quiet time. You know? And so I grew up thinking, I better do my quiet time. Because I can still hear his voice, did you do your quiet time? I tell you what, let's change it to playtime. Let's have fun with God. Because that's what God wants. He's looking for some playtime with his people. He's looking to, not only for him to be pleased, but for us to be pleased in that relationship with him. The God of the Bible is a God who rewards. He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. Do you believe Jeremiah 29, 11? Let's look at it. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Wonderful, right? We read this all the time. You know, as a context of that, if you know Jeremiah, his entire ministry was preparing the people to go into exile. His message was, guys, Babylon is coming. They're going to strip this nation apart. And they're going to take us captive. And we are going to exile. How many of you would like to preach that message every Sunday morning? Right? Our church will be empty if we preach that message. That was his job. But you know what his message was? Don't worry about it. It's okay. Yes, we've made some wrong choices, and that's why this is happening to us. But it's okay. Don't fight Babylon. Go with Babylon. You'll be there for 70 years. Plant fruit trees. Build houses. I will be there with you, God says. I will bless you because I have a plan for you. It's a plan for your future. It's a good plan. Then I'll bring you back. You see, God, even in times when He's mad with His people, still rewards them. That's his nature. He cannot change his nature. God is good. He doesn't just exist. But he exists in fullness of his goodness. You must believe God exists. You must believe God rewards. And finally, you must diligently seek him. Now then, Living translation uses the word sincerely, seek him. But it's a stronger word in the Hebrew. Um, it means to seek out, to search, keep on searching, to investigate, to scrutinize, to carefully and diligently observe. Why? Because even when things are tough, if you open your eyes, and you keep scrutinizing and look, you will see the goodness of God. You can. God is good. 
all the time. He is. He is. And that's why he says, diligently seek him. Don't give up. Don't give up because the circumstances around you saying otherwise. Don't let that concept go that God is good. Don't you do that. Focus on the goodness of God. Keep looking. Investigate. Right? Carefully, diligently seek after him. This good God. Now let me take you to Numbers 21 and I'd like you to turn to that. Because this is something that I think will be helpful to us as we journey through as a family about restoring our dreams this year. Numbers 21, verse 4 and 5. It's a bit of a warning. It's a bit of a downer. But we'll pick it up afterwards, shall we? Numbers 21, 4 to 5. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. Wow, sounds like mine. Does it sound like your journey? Impatient? You know, God, God's a wonderful God. He promises you very early sometimes, tells you that, hey, I'm going to bless you with this. And then you think it's going to be instant, but the courier service is a bit slow. <laughs> Would love it if he sent us that quick, quick post, you know, that fast post and give us a tracking number. That would be helpful. But sometimes he does airmail or sea mail. Sometimes just snail mail. Sometimes no mail. The people grew impatient with the long journey. And they began to speak against God and Moses. Now look at what they say. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They were dying as slaves. They were crying out, save us. And now when they were out here as a people of God, why did you bring us out here? They complained. And this is the thing. There is nothing to eat here, nothing to drink. And look at this. We hate this horrible manna. The New King James says, we hate this worthless bread. Think about it. This supernatural provision of God every day. They didn't have to go out to work. They didn't have to plant anything. They wake up in the morning and there it was. Rain or shine, every day, there it was. And you could take as much as you wanted, eat as much as you want, and it was enough for a large family, a small family, didn't matter. The psalmist called it angel's food. You know why? It nourished them. In that difficult um, wilderness journey, it nourished their body and their soul. It was angel's food. It was special, miraculous provision of God. But you know what, friends? When you forget and you lose touch that God is present in your life, and you lose the focus that God is good and is blessing you, and you get impatient in that long journey, it's very easy to look at the little miracles in our lives and call it worthless, horrible. But as we look at our journey, and I don't care wh where we are at the moment today, my friend, of course I do care, 
But you know what I mean. Let's look back at our lives. How many angels' food was provided for us? How many times God appeared supernaturally, restored relationships, paid some bills when you don't know where it came from. Look back through your life. When that time when you said, I'll never make through this one, man. This is it. I'm finished. And look at you now, 20 years later. You know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. But my friends, let's be careful this year. Let's watch this, that we never look at the miracles of God and say this horrible, worthless miracles. When at that time, it was everything to us. We can get just caught up in the chronos times and it just sucks us in the long wait the impatient chronos times that just suck us in and we fail to realize the kairos moments those opportunity times when you're aware God is moving and a miracle is about to happen and you tap yourself into that miracle and you download what God has for you kairos moments I think of the upper room. You know, the Bible says 500 people met with Jesus after the resurrection, before the ascension, before Jesus went up, right? 500 people saw him face to face. You know how many people were waiting in the upper room? 120. Have you wondered what happened to the other 380? They got sucked into the Kronos events of life. Yeah, Jesus came and met us. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that's wonderful. But Jesus said, go wait. There's something more. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you will be filled with power. They missed the Pentecost. Why? Because they wouldn't sit down and be aware of the Kairos moments of time when the suddenly of God will happen. 40 days after that, the suddenly of God came. Holy Spirit touched them. 120 of them, never the same again. And turned the world upside down. So easy to get caught up with the chronos times of our lives. Just get caught up, and then it's long. It's long and impatient. Next thing you know, you're starting to use vocabulary like God's not here, God doesn't care, God's far away. And let me tell you, my friends, faith dies in that sort of environment. But that's not us. That's not us. We are Hebrews. Six, eleven, six people. Amen. That's who we are. All of us, we will come to Him and we will believe that God exists. Not just that He exists far away, He exists in our lives. We will be aware of His presence throughout this year. And my friends, we will know He's a rewarder. No matter what's going on out there, He will reward us and we will diligently seek Him until we see the reward of God. God is, God is good. God is good to me. God is good to me today. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.